0: Welcome back into another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. This is episode 42. I'm your host, Carter E. Jeff, I nailed the intro this time, which means we're in a good spot here. Thankfully, we have some editing because there are definitely times I don't hit the intro. Anyways, we got quite a bit to talk about today. We've got football results from all four of our area schools from this past week, along with a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Obviously before I go any further, I would like to thank today's title sponsor. That is going to be double J auto in Gardnerville. You can find them online at www.doublejautoinv.com. Of course, Carson and Douglas football both lost this past weekend. Also have an update from Sierra Lutheran football as well they fell at loyalton Uh, sounds like loyalton's got a pretty cool field out there i have never never gotten to experience that but we'll get into that in just a second and then of course we've got other results from around the area got some cross-country stuff to uh touch on as well, and then we'll run through a couple of results. And as always, to finish off our new segment, which is just kind of letting you guys know what's going on around the region, especially for those those home games as well. I'm going to start with Sierra uh, Lutheran football since we don't get to touch on them very often. They fell to Loyalton 62 26 uh, Saturday on the road. For those of you who don't know, Sierra Lutheran plays eight on eight football. Um, which is a very unique style of high school football for smaller schools and uh, something I had a chance to cover in my last job as well out in Iowa. It's uh, much more offense in 8-on-8. Eight eight. Defense tends to be not as uh, impactful, um, but obviously you can still still see plenty of stuff there. But Where
1: do, where do they take players from? What, what positions don't exist?
0: Uh, it's basically two offensive linemen move and then you – I guess you can have a tight end, but you don't really have a tight end. So you're typically going wide receivers, quarterback, three offensive linemen. So that's six. Running back would be seven, maybe four offensive linemen. So there's 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 your eight. Um, obviously, you know, football formations, you can scheme it up a lot of different ways. Um, but apparently the Max Thomas to Flynn Shiby connection is alive and well for Sierra Lutheran. That was how they scored all four of their touchdowns. Uh, this past Saturday. First one was an 80-yard touchdown reception, of course. Uh, and then Alan Morales adds a two-point try. Shiby uh, bobbled second kickoff. Down 14 12, balling it up at the one. They thought they were kind of hoping it was going to roll into the end zone. It didn't, well, it didn't matter. Scheibe went 99 yards with it to the house. I was told he, he probably ran more of like 160 yards in the process, but still a 99 yard touchdown return for Scheibe. As I joked with Sierra Lutheran's athletic director, I see that his track and field speed has carried over to the football field very. Nicely, uh, Sean Kelleher had an interception for the Falcons before uh, Shiby caught a 30 yard touchdown and a 45 yard touchdown from Max Thomas as well. Hayden Irvin also had a fumble recovery for Sierra within their own one this season. That was their first um, their first game of the year. They've got this upcoming week off before they host as i'm pretty sure it's o-w-y but i'm pretty sure it's pronounced o-w-y uh saturday september 17th here in carson city so fun team to to keep an eye on there definitely something to uh follow for sure and uh if you like offense and speed um i think i've pointed out a couple guys you can uh you can find uh around the area that you you'll be fun to follow douglas played at mcqueen on saturday as well mcqueen took that one 51 to 30 douglas head coach kyle mays wasn't shy about the fact that he was pretty disappointed in the result mcqueen had 38 points at halftime and it it was 38 10 if i'm not mistaken just really did a good job of getting to the edge and using their speed to their advantage and it was something that douglas knew that's what mcqueen was going to do and yet they had had quite a few issues trying to stop it and uh fell behind early and I think only stopped one McQueen drive defensively in the first half, and that was an interception with their uh, backs backed up to the goal line. So really McQueen just kind of had their way on offense. Down 9 nothing. a little uh, sweep, play action read option that's a lot of words there but more read option uh Owen Evans was able to to read a defensive end and go 95 yards for a touchdown I think that's the longest touchdown I've seen uh, so far this season that brought Douglas back within a score but like I said McQueen's offense just couldn't be stopped there Saturday uh Douglas added another field goal before the half to make it to get 10 points 23 yarder from Grant Gomes but ended up down 45-10 in the second half before they were able to get a couple more scores thanks to uh, Caleb Valdez falling on a fumble, which allowed Kyle Koontz to grab a seven-yard touchdown pass. And then Trace Estes had a 21-yard touchdown reception as well before Connor Jackson added another touchdown to his resume this season. It was a 16-yard run there to make it 51-30, but at that point... I think there was like three minutes left in the game and that was pretty much all she wrote. Uh, Douglas I think attempted four onside kicks. So at least they know they got one of them. So they, uh, they know their onside kick rate is 25%, which is much higher than your typical average. So there's, there's something to, to be said there. Of course, this week they will travel to Reno uh, and take on the Huskies who are two and one so far. Reno's, from the sounds of it, probably going to present more of a challenge than McQueen did, which was why I think Tiger head coach was so disappointed that they didn't come out with a better result. Um, and he has was very very expressive yesterday when I talked to Kyle Mays about they have to get out to a better start and can't be can't fall behind by double digits, especially with the way Douglas wants to play offense. They want to run the ball and ground and pound and burn clock. And if you're there's down, smart. there's going a lot of... You're you're saying receptions, so well. are going
1: a lot of touchdowns when you're
0: losing by thirty-five. You okay. you got to throw the ball. You don't have time to don't have time to run. Yeah, which is, is true. what I was what I was about to get to is Douglas wants to play with a lead so that way they can run the ball and play their style of offense. If you want to be a running team and it's especially hard to play from behind because you can't make up ground quickly, um, and that's. I, probably a decent segue right into Carson which lost 34-2 to a, a very good basic team let's just get that out here first and foremost it's not a no slouch opponent there by any stretch of the imagination however offensively the centers kind of shot themselves in the foot a lot to to say the least I mean I think I counted up at least seven or eight false start penalties they had three delay of games uh, a couple turnovers they they did go forward a couple times with fourth down and got stopped but like I said, a good basic team for sure, but Carson definitely left some some stuff on the table to be desired. I'm sure, and i I don't think I don't think anybody on the team would disagree with that statement as well. Uh, only finished with four or five first downs. They had two on the opening drive, and then they didn't pick up another first down until their final possession of the game. And in between, basic just kind of kept doing what they what they do best. And uh, Carson's two points came on a safety just before the half thanks to a nice punt from Marcus Montez. And I know uh, the Senators were missing a few people as well, including punter Isaac Avena. But as I joked with you Friday, they might have two pretty decent punters yeah, he between was,
1: he was hitting them
0: well, Marcus Montez and Avena. Uh, I know, as we've talked about before, Avena's averaging about 48 yards of punt. Well, Marcus Montez had a 52-yard punt and had 45 <laughs> yards of punt average on his own. So Carson can definitely switch the field on you if they need to. But of course, they would prefer to do that a lot less. Uh, much rather put points on the board and be kicking off deep there. Carson will go to Galena this Friday, which is a as I've said before in the podcast, it's a term I, I think I tend to overuse, but a litmus test for sure. Because Galena has has been one of the, the teams at the bottom of Class 5A, but they are 2-1 and one this year and have shown to have uh, quite a bit more offensive firepower than we've seen in years past. They've got Five touchdowns through the air. They're averaging 150 passing yards a game, which is a little bit more than you see from most teams in the North, especially teams that Carson has played to this point. And they've got 11 sacks and 19 tackles for loss. And when you look at a Carson offense that is kind of, like you said, beat beat themselves up a little bit, you can't let uh, Galena team kind of pounce on those opportunities. And I mean, it's been it's been something that's been said previously, and it's it's kind of a a football it feels obvious but you can't you can't put yourself in 2nd tw- and 14 or 3rd and 12 you just don't typically have a lot of plays drawn up for you know your 3rd and 17s you need to be you need to be moving forward for third down not backwards and it makes it that much harder to convert first downs and keep the offense on the field when you're constantly going the wrong direction after after plays there so a very interesting uh, couple of games this weekend for the two 5A schools here in the north. Uh Carson and we should have both covered this Friday as well. Like I said, Carson at Galena and then Douglas at Reno. Both games are Friday at 7 p.m. No Saturday games for at least our coverage this week. Uh hopping over to some cross country results, uh unless you had anything else. <clears throat> Football wise, Jeff, uh the Twilight Meet was this past week or this past Thursday. Carson sophomore Sawyer Macy led Carson boys with an eighth-place finish. Freshman Sean Thornton was 28th. On the girls' side, Veya Minor was eighth as a freshman for the Senators. Hannah Budd was right behind her to take 10th. Uh, they were within one second of each other in 1752, 1753 there. Sarah Lutheran also had some nice results at the same meet. Josh Fox was 11th. Max Wolfel was 15th. And then, of course, on the girls' side, Sage Gregory was 43rd, and Christy Kennedy took 86th there. On the Douglas side of the very same meet, Jackson Davis had the second quickest time there on the boys' side. He was nine seconds off the winner from Reno's pace uh, in 14.02 was your winner. Luke Davis was 19th for the Tigers as a sophomore. He finished in 15.02. Romaine Smokey was 33rd as well for the Tiger boys. Uh, Ayla Nelson was 27th for the Douglas girls. Anna Elias and Lucy Nord were 46th and 47th respectively. And yeah, I mean, lots of other little results here. I don't have a ton of stats. um, As I've been putting at the end of all of our roundups and saying on the podcast, you know, email me, tweet them at me, Text them to me. Put them on max preps. That's the best way to get your team covered. It's the best way to get more than just, you know, so-and-so loses. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all I can write for a lot of these. Um, you know, I know Douglas Volleyball had a seven-game tournament this week, only saw three results there online. They will go to McQueen Thursday to jump back into league play there. Uh, Persian County football beat Dayton 42 to six. Dayton's lone touchdown came from Cameron Candlan, who had a three-yard score in the second quarter. They will travel to Wooster Friday for a 7 p.m. kickoff there. Otherwise, just some soccer results from around the region. Not a lot going on in 5A at the moment. I know Carson boys have had quite a bit of time off. Um, the last we saw, the last we saw Carson girls soccer was. Last week against Reno in a, I, I termed it a thrilling draw, but obviously not so much for the Senators in the fact that they gave up the game-tying goal in the final moments there. However, as Jeff and I have talked about a couple times already, they return home uh, today. Today being weird, t- filming this Tuesday morning, they return home today against Damani Ranch. Yes. And that should be a good one as they are getting back to full health here. I know they were missing some some players there but but jeff it's it's gonna be a big game for them especially you know we we're already kind of seeing the standings take place a little bit now that they are three four games into league play depending on the team and um it's it's gonna be a big one for them to to grab three points and as we talked about getting points early so you don't have uh, any sort of hill to climb out of toward the end of the year and at home gotta win at home and at home yeah, yeah. and they're i'm sure i'm sure that that draw to Reno is, is fresh on the minds of, of everyone. And while Reno is sitting at 2-0-1 so far in, in league play, I'm sure Carson, who is yet to have a win in league play, is, is is waiting for that one as well. So that's a Tuesday night game. Of course, you can find the recaps for that online at www.nevadaappeal.com as well. We may have another feature story coming out of the Carson girls soccer program here this week. Otherwise, just a couple tennis results for you. Carson High Girls beat Reed 11-7 on Thursday. That's their first win of the season. I've said this before, Jeff, I don't quite get Nevada high school tennis scoring. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with it, they play, you still play three sets, but you play three sets against three different opponents, so each set counts as a point And in a match, you're playing 18 sets. So, A, you can tie 9 9. And then, B, like I would play you, and then I'd play your buddy, and then I'd play your buddy's buddy in three different sets, as opposed to you and me playing just one, two out of three set match if you're following along. Yeah. yeah. It's a little difficult to explain, but that's kind of how I feel about it generally. And I know it's the way Nevada's done it forever. It's not. It's not weird to anybody who grew up with it from conversations I had, but it's something that I am still trying to totally wrap my brain around how they decided that that was the route they were going to take.
1: That takes away any streak or any... I mean, and and tennis is, having watched the the higher levels, there's so much mental game in tennis. Well, and we did the Davis Cup <laughs> earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Just watching the mental aspect of the game and the how the crowd affects it, it completely is a lot of that's gone with that. Yeah,
0: I mean, how do you and how do you quote-unquote prepare for three opponents? You should be preparing for one, right? Isn't that that's typically what you see in any other sport on yeah, a yeah. game-to-game basis you're preparing for one team and you know, it's not like I was sitting there watching a ton of tape and Do you even know who you're going to play? I mean, you probably have an you, I- show up. you probably have an idea from when from previous instances, who, but who Yeah, are. but it's not it's not very straightforward in that sense that, you know, if I'm number one, I'm playing their number one. You're going to play number one, two, and three. Right. And that's just uh, – it's very unique. And, uh, you know, once you get used to one person's style, it's interesting. You beat them in one set, then you got to go play, play somebody else who's completely different. So uh, high school tennis in Nevada, uh, it's not a knock. It's just different different for me. Um, but different doesn't always mean bad. Somebody, I'm sure, has a, a great reason why they do it that way. And I'm sure there's uh, – a. I'm sure there's more unique storylines to that than I've realized, but it's one that I've continued to come back to as something that just kind of is very interesting. Yeah, baffles me just a little bit. Otherwise, it's been it's been a good start to the fall sports season. I mean, we are we are rolling here very quickly. Uh, only September sixth. It's a little strange to say coming off of Labor Day. Honestly, it feels like it's been a month but i guess with all the preview stories and stuff it has been about a month of getting back into the swing of things but i mean high school sports back in back in full effect here yeah back in action for sure lots
1: tons and tons of stuff going on lots of speaking of lots of action a lot of out of town stuff or i guess reno's technically out of town but (laughs) um not very many home games this week um starting off with douglas Thursday, we've got tennis at home at 2 and boys soccer at 3 and 445, so that will be on the grass. And then Saturday, boys soccer at 10 and 1145 and girls soccer at 1 and 315. Uh, I'm assuming all on the grass on that for the Saturday game, more than likely. Uh, switching over to Carson. So if, back up on Douglas, if I didn't mention your team or your kid, they're on the road. So that's how we're working this. Uh, th- bouncing over to Carson Thursday girls tennis is at two and volleyball is that night or that afternoon evening. They start three five and six and then Saturday with girls soccer at one and three 15. And then otherwise everybody's on the road. As we mentioned, football's at Galena. So that's a short, short road trip <laughs> to see him play in the jungle. <laughs> and then uh, over at Dayton Thursday, they've got girls soccer at home and then Friday volleyball. Uh, similar to how Carson is at, uh, with 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 7 o'clock for their start times, freshman JB varsity. And then Saturday, girls soccer is at home. Again, that's for Dayton. And then the only thing I found for Sierra Lutheran was that volleyball is at home on Saturday at 11.
0: Well, there's your look at home home matches around the region. And as I said earlier we will have football coverage this Friday from both games um, that will be at Galena and at Reno I'm pretty sure I will be at Douglas at Reno while our uh, new guy Duke Rittenhouse not new to the area by any means will be at Carson and Galena so two two big games there I think both will be a good tell of where both teams stand and you know i've had a a lot of people from opposite ends ask me what they think of the other teams a lot of carson people ask me what i think of douglas football and a lot of douglas people ask me what i think of carson football and to be honest i think i'm still waiting to decide where i where exactly i stand i you know you see i've seen bright spots in both obviously you know douglas's offense is much more capable of scoring points than they were last year um, whereas Carson's offense, where I think is totally capable of scoring points, but to this point is yet to show it. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to struggle on offense all season, but you start cleaning some of those things up and you never know what kind of uh, drives they may be able to string together against teams. And, you know, you put together two or three scoring drives against somebody open up a 14 or 21, 20 point hole or gap over an opponent. And you never know who you might, who you might surprise, or just as uh, head coach Kyle May said this week, you know, let's just see where we're at entering the fourth quarter. And, you know, sometimes that can be all the difference in the world there. So,
1: Well, they, they, neither team helped themselves as far as trying to get a, a lay down beginning of your season. They all took on tough opponents. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and was – Purposely, mm-hmm. but that's, that's – for the psychology of the game, that's a little rough at the beginning, but you got to realize that you're taking on – opponents that you could very easily lose because they're very good teams i mean some of those some of the teams that we've seen so far have been very good
0: yeah and the thought process has to be you know well we did this against vanden really well or we did this against a cif state sectional winner last year or we did you know, defense looked pretty good against a uh, some very solid teams from California. Very, uh, you know, a good team from Vegas or wherever. Yeah, it's well, and even
1: even McQueen. I mean, they're regional champions last year. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, they did lose some key players, but they were still regional champions and had a they had a lot of returners and a lot of speed. Yeah. A lot of speed yeah. for anybody who hasn't seen McQueen yet this year. Look out! They are gonna they're gonna try to get to the edge, and when they do, they're gonna be off to the races in a hurry. And that is something that uh, Douglas. Douglas knows full well, but you know they may very well meet up again here come playoff time, and uh, that can make things uh, very different. So I did not expect that game to be an eighty-one point shootout when uh, when I got there, but you know that's how sports go sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, that's going to do it for episode 42 of Behind the Bench. Thanks again to today's title sponsor, Double J Auto NV in Gardnerville. Once again, you can find them online at www.doublejautonv.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, I am at Carter Eckel, E-C-K-L. You can also find Jeff online at www.instaimage.com. also on Twitter at Insta image. We will have updates for you. Be sure to check out both of our websites as well as stuff happens throughout the weeks as things will continue to get posted. And thank you very much for listening. If you've made it this far, uh, feel free to drop a review on iTunes if you're feeling so obliged. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy.